0: if you don't remember anything else just remember this phrase being in the will of God being in the will of God is far more important than accomplishing things for God being in the will of God is more important than accomplishing things for God what does that mean God does not care what we get done for him as much as he cares about having a relationship with you and you and I just want to make that a big starting point because sometimes we get it we're so westerners we're so task oriented and can you imagine if I take my family to Grand Canyon and I said we're going to get a family picture at the Grand Canyon and on that eight hour drive or 13 hour drive we just don't have any conversation any talk shut up we're going to get our picture taken mom you have to go potty oh we just went 30 minutes ago and then we finally get there all right kids get out of the car Facebook post, all right, we did it, and then we go, we're done. Let's go home. You don't, you don't, when you see, if that's a family, you would say, that's a dysfunctional family. <laughs> By the way, I think there's a, te- a temptation to do that in our culture with Facebook and Instagram, that we want to present something like that for the sake of the world to see, but we may be just all over the place. Well, I want to apply that with God and saying, sometimes we think God wants us to get to a destination, but what he cares about is going there with you and him together. So God wants you and I to have a will and a relationship together. Far more important than what you and I can accomplish for God at the end of the days. Now, when that goes together, I think we do accomplish things. That's the irony. But when you go for the accomplishment, it doesn't always mean you have a relationship. Now, this is important because in our lives, we want to always be, God, am I in the center of where you want me to be? Am I in the center of your will? God, am I doing what you desire and glorifies you? God, is, am I living for myself, or is this something that you are doing, and that's going to bring just something beautiful to your name? That's a question as followers we have to ask every day. And I want to share with you a man I might have shared before, William Borden. He grew up in 1900s. And he was the heir of Borden family fortune, wealthy. He didn't have to go to school. He's one of those guys where just you go to school for fun. You don't need to work. You got money. But he went and he came to know Christ. And when he went to Yale, this is what his friends said of him. He came to college far ahead spiritually of any of us. He had already given his heart in full surrender to Christ and had really done it. He who we who were his classmates learned to lean on him and find in him a strength that was solid as a rock just because of this settled purpose and consecration. There was a man, William Borden, goes to college, fully sold out for Jesus Christ. Smart man, driven man, purposeful man, but he knew God, and his friends noticed. So during his year, let me. this is what his other friends said, Bill Borden made an entry in his personal journal that defined what his classmates were seeing in him. That entry simply said, this is his own writing. Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. Say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. See, that's what being in a relationship with God looks like. That we are always asking God, is this what's pleasing you? Is the way I just apply it to every practical thing you do in life. My, my relationship, my dating, my marriage, my children, my church, my neighbor relationships. I, am I pleasing you? Is this what's saying yes to you? Am I living according to that? You know how old he was when he died? William Borden died out of, for, from meningitis and a mission trip in Egypt at the age of 25 years old. Now the world would say to him, and this is why he's known, what a, what a waste. I mean, <laughs> brilliant, smart, wealthy guy and, you know, driven And this is what he wrote in his journal in the final days. Some of you have heard this before. He wrote, no reserves, no retreats. And lastly, on his final days, he wrote, no regrets. See, that's what it looks like when we trust in God and realize, you know what? I want to be right where you want to be, God. Not in the comfort, not because it's making my career path advance, but because you want me to be in the middle of where you want me to be. Because you are trustworthy that's where god is inviting you and i every day so when we look at this we call this this relationship with god what you do for god is not as important as your relationship with god daily with him am i in your will so i want to go to jeremiah i want to frame it with this because jeremiah if you want to say who do you want to be in the bible you do not want to be jeremiah (laughs) maybe the only person that beats him is hosea who God had to marry a prostitute to show Hosea and Israel what it looks like to be an adulterous nation. But Jeremiah, his calling, he had a nice life. He grew up in a, as a priest's family, so he was a priest. But God said to him in verse 4, I have a word for you, Jeremiah. Before you were born, I knew you. I set you apart. I appoint you to be the prophet of the nations. You know what kind of prophet he was? His job was to tell Israel, Judah, This nation is going to fall because of your adulterous life, for your idolatry, and it's going to fall. That's his job. How about that job? You know, there's a TV show called Dirty Jobs. This is Dirty Job. I mean, he got spit at. He was so grieved that he has to be the proclaimer of the impending doom of Judah for their sins. That he said that the people know him as the weeping prophet, I mean, this is your country. This is your loved ones. These are your neighbors. And his job was to proclaim this. And God is calling him into this. Do you think Jeremiah did it because, oh, that's a great job that I want to sign up for God? He did it because he acknowledged and said, God, whatever you want me to do, let me go. So his name literally means the Lord throws. And he was a prophet from 626 B.C. to 586 B.C., when Judah fell, Jerusalem finally fell. And Jeremiah uh, grew up in a harsh time, and he had a lot of contemporaries, but his life was not the most loving. He actually said in in some of his writings that I feel like I have been raped. I mean, that's the language this man uses. That's how harsh it was. So he is not delighted, but he goes on. So I want to capture this. I want to frame all this into... God is calling you and I into things, and I want to be unpolitically correct here. You're not going to like some of those things. And it's not going to be exciting. And it's not going to be 5 million member church. It's not going to be the executive of Fortune 500 company. It may not be the white picket fences. But here's what I do know. God calls us because he knows where we need to be, and he is trustworthy, and our job is simply like William Borden to say, I don't understand this, God, but if you're inviting me, the answer is yes. So as we wrestle with this, I want to share a few things from today's 10 verses that how does God call, and what are some principles that apply to us? I don't think God's going to, I don't think, I could be wrong, God's. I'm not saying God's going to call you to, to preach doom to United States of America. That is not the connection here. The connection is God calls us for the funkiest things and are you ready so here's the first thing we know in chapter one verse five God knows you better than you know you can you say that God knows me me. better than I know me (laughs) I'm finding out things about me every day from my wife I'm just amazed how much my wife knows about me because when someone watches you every day they're like Jason you're tired I am Remember that Snickers commercial? You're not you when you're hungry. Did you ever see that commercial? One is when Betty White's playing football, and she's like, oh, I'll get you. And they're here, have a Snickers. Oh, that's better. And remember that commercial? And it goes, you're not you when you're... You don't know yourself all the time. You don't know how you behave. But here's an assuring thought. Your creator, the one who made you, he knows you far greater than you'll ever know you. Why do we need to know that? He's trustworthy. He knows me better than I know me. So where that helps me is, God, this doesn't make sense. I would do it this way, God, because obviously I'm smarter than you. So I would do my life this way, and, and, and we would forget that we're not God. And those are times where we need to taper back and humble ourselves and say, wait a minute. The biggest understatement in the world, I am not God. And this is where your spouses go, golf clap. Golf clap. And here's a reassuring thing. God knows us, and he's calling you to exactly where you would fit the best. And your success is different from what God would define as success. And for Christians, I would say the definition of success is being right in the will of God. That is success. Amen? I don't think we could tell God this is success because this is my way. I think God would define success as you're right where you need to be. So Proverbs 16, 4, we plan all our, our, our hearts anyway, but it says this, in the hearts, humans plans their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Why? He knows you better than you know you. Just a real quick thing, I want to move on. But parents, don't you know your children better than they know themselves? You know, like, oh, it's, it's going to be nap time, five, four, three, two, one. I told you, you know, you, you've done that. I know, grandparents, you've done that. You know your kids. That's how God is with you. He knows you precisely. What pushes your buttons, what makes you joyful, and we could say, God, how can I ever doubt you? So He knows us. Second thing, God calls us to His purpose. That's crazy. Um, before you were born, I set you apart. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, how many of you guys loved? playing sports in elementary school and having two captains pick everybody. <laughs> Real, I, I, you know, that's one of those times where you just don't like that because I was the smallest guy. When we play kickball, like I'd pick Bruto. I'd pick Tyrone. i will pick Willie. <laughs> and then here's Jason. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, is anyone going to pick me? Or, or if you were in high school, you moved to a new high school. I moved in 10th grade. That's the worst age to move to a new high school. 10th grade, everyone knows each other, friends. Freshman year, you're cool. Everyone's kind of nervous. 10th grade, everyone's locked in. I moved to a new school in 10th grade. What is the worst time in 10th grade school? First day? Lunchtime. You get your food, and then you're like... (gasps) And you feel like the, the room is dark, and the spotlight's on you, and you see loser, or where do I right so it was like the time slowed down and you just wish don't you wish somebody could just say jason hey jason from my homeroom come and eat with us and then you wake up and you realize that's not reality anyway that it was so it's so hard but you know you know this idea of being picked and chosen wow it, you know what god is telling us is you're not a loser <laughs> You're not just random birth. You're not just being that's supposed to just move around this world and God just has no care about you because he cares about Billy Graham, not, not, not the basic Christian who's just kind of living his life, doing a nine-to-five job. That's not how God operates. You matter. And he's saying, I know you. And I want you? And I'm inviting you to something great. And I'm inviting you to something that's part of my heart. So God is calling Jeremiah, and we know it's not something great. We know it's a hard ministry, but you have been chosen. Friends, God is speaking to you in your life if you are over the age of one right now. That was a joke. (laughs) God has spoken to you one way or another. To the younger people, I want to say this, uh, not the older people. uh, In particular, younger people, you got to keep your radar on even more. Because God seems to be in the Bible, historically, loud and clear with the younger people, something that he wants to do with their life. Maybe it's because you're going to go to get SATs. He knew you are going to do college. But God is speaking to us, to the younger people. But God is speaking to you right now, no matter what season of life you're in. He's constantly inviting you to be part of his will. He doesn't forget you. So Jeremiah gets his word. And this is how we respond. Paul says, Apostle Paul in Romans 9, 21 says, Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and for some for common use? In other words, God can take anybody wherever they are and use them. Why? This is the lamest reason, but it's, it's true because he's God. But I can't do this. I, I can't do that. Um, I got to tell you, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my calling here and there. When God told me, Jason, I want you to go to ministry, one of the first people I told was my mom. Godly woman. She's a pastor's kid. And she's going to be like, Hallelujah, I've been praying for you. That's what I'm picturing. You know what she said to me? Mom, I think God's calling me to ministry. I'm not exaggerating. This is her response. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Just... Your brother, maybe. But 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 not you. Just 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 keep on doing what you're doing. And I'm like, confused? And I and she was like she was like, no, really. She was like, maybe your brother, but not you. And I, I was like, I wasn't crushed, I was confused. And I was a little bit offended. But here's how God works. Two weeks later, she prays every day. Two weeks later she says, Oh, I need to talk to you. And I was like, Oh what? i don't hold a grudge i'm like okay what do you want (laughs) she said to me i've been praying and i don't know why this doesn't make any sense to me but yeah god wants you to go to ministry i was like wow (laughs) turn of events and what was she seeking after his heart god what are you doing in my son why is he getting these crazy thoughts you see because god's calling us not because of what you Think what your intelligence level is what your abilities are, but because of his power to do anything In each of us. Amen Amen. And he calls you A quick lesson here is don't go after god. What can what great thing can I do for you? That's the wrong question The question here is god. What are you doing? And what do you want of me? I'll go So sometimes church, we have these committees and we brainstorm great ideas that we want to do for God. I think that's the worst thing we could do. Because again, in his heart, man has his steps, but God's the one that guides our footsteps. So it's not what are you doing with your life, but what is God doing and inviting you to me too? What is he calling me into? So that ties into the third one we see here. Because Jeremiah says, ah, sovereign Lord. And I don't know if he's saying it like, ah, sovereign lord or you know it's funny ah sovereign lord i do not know how to speak i am only a child how many of you done that come on don't raise your hand but how many of you have done that man we need a bible study teacher we need we need we need someone who really loves the lord who could do such and such oh i can't i could never do that i love tell god what you'd never want to do and i just love how he just laughs um One of the things that I said to God when I first went to college was, God, I'll go to ministry, but I do not want to write. I hate writing. You know what my first job out of college was? I was a financial analyst. All I did was write. All day long, day and night, write reports, reports. Five page, 20 page, 50 page. All I did was write. I was like, okay, that's funny, God. I'll keep serving you, but you know what? (sighs) Just, I don't mind writing. It's good. I, I like teaching Bible study but I'd never want to talk in front of people. <laughs> you know, just, just tell God what you don't want to do, and if, you, if you're brave enough. And, and he, so here's God. Whenever we see inadequacy in us, this is what God does. He doesn't call you, and he doesn't get surprised. He doesn't go, I want you to be, boom, and he goes, oh, I, I didn't realize you couldn't. God never gets surprised by you. He knows you. Remember? Verse 5, I knew you before you were born i formed you your womb. You i called you apart he knows you he doesn't get surprised by you so when he calls he knows what he's doing and he will give you everything you need to be done as long as you say god yes you see that's the key here so first corinthians chapter one says this you know the early christians were they the smartest wisest strongest men no they were the weaklings Paul says, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. In other words, God loves using inadequate people, because when things get done, the inadequate people and the people around them say, this has to be God, because it ain't from you praise God. I know I'm being humorous about it, but isn't that how God works? I love Don Inman. He shares this session last week. We're talking about church and how just things are just, we have a lot to be grateful to God. And he goes, you know what this is? I love Don's passion. You know what this is? This isn't us. This is God. And the session, I think we were ready to go, hallelujah, amen. I love it when God takes a church. We're too small. We're too weak. But when we seek after his heart and things start happening, guess who gets the glory if we're too small, if we're too weak? We say, God is at work here. Amen? I love that. And God knows that. So he calls you, not because you can do it, but because he is able to give you what you need. So the big sin, I want to share with you, the big sin of Christians is not this. Some of you are like, it's not going to church? No. (laughs) The big sin of Christians is not... You know, oh, I said a curse word. Don't do that, but that's not the big sin. You know, I'm convinced the big sin of Christian world is this. We don't give God enough credit of his power, of his wisdom, of his love. I want us to repent of that. I'm I'm not joking here. The biggest sin this church does, and I do, is to not give God enough credit of his abilities, of his wisdom, and his love. You know how I know we do that? We plan and then we hedge it, don't we? We we hedge things. We're like, just in case God doesn't follow us through, you know, we'll have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And we, deep inside, we don't know if God can do that. And I also know that because when we stress, that's a sign that we probably don't trust God. I'm guilty of that. God's raised up so many things. God's done so many things in my life. And I see it. But when I still stress, you know what that shows me? Jason, you still don't trust God as much as you say you do. And I don't give God enough credit. He's God. Friends, he is the almighty God. He is the creator of this universe. We are a speck in this whole universe, and he is God. He knows the future, the middle and the end. And he knows, he brings all these things together. And yet we have the audacity to say, hold on, hold on. Let me figure this out. <laughs> Sometimes we just simply have to say, like William Borden, no to me, yes to you, Jesus, because I can't figure this out, even if I tried. So uh, just a funny, funny story. There was a, this is about doubt. This is not about God, but you know, there was a bishop who came from a conference and, and he uh, came back and here at the conference, this is in 1870, somebody said, one day men might be able to fly like birds. And then he came home to his children and said, Isn't that crazy? This is the bishop. Men flying like, like birds. It's impossible. You know who his children were? Wolper and Orville Wright. It's, it's funny. And the point of this is this the point of this is when we already doubt and, and don't even entertain what imagination of what God can do or what things can be accomplished, you've already lost. But his children said, all right, I'll take that challenge. Do we do that with God? I I think sometimes we have to examine ourselves. Maybe I don't give God enough credit. (laughs) Lastly, and this is the final point. uh, The Lord said to me, do not say... I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, here's the Lord giving Jeremiah everything he needs. Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Here's the point. Why doesn't God just do that himself? I asked that. Don't you ask that? God, why do you need Jeremiah? Why Why don't you just do that yourself? Do the quick and easy express route. I don't know. We don't know. But here's what I do know. God unfolds his purposes and he wants you and me to be involved in it. That's what I do know. Jesus, why don't you just stay behind? Why don't you have to ascend? Why don't you make a church and tell the world that you're alive? I don't know. But he sent his disciples to give them the Holy Spirit to say, I will give you something even greater. Friends, you know what this says to you and I? You are vital, and God wants to do his purpose through you and me. There's a lady named Catherine Laws, and all she did was, she was a wife of a prison warden, and she treated the prisoners kindly, and she led a bunch of them to the Lord Jesus Christ because they'd never seen kindness like hers. When she died, every single prisoner whether in prison or outside, came back to her funeral, weeping at the kindness of this one woman. You can make an impact in ways that you do not realize when you simply say, God, tell me what to do, and I'll say yes. And sometimes the things that God calls us to is not as rosy as that. It could be something simple as, Jeremiah, tell them they're going to be destroyed. God, me? Yes, Lord. You see, I don't know what God's calling you to, but I know he is. Because he's still alive today. And he's still active. He's still working in your life, in your families, in your neighborhood. Maybe it's that coworker who, who you've been just having this itch. Maybe you get that. If you get that itch, maybe I should pray for him. That's God <laughs> saying, let's go. Maybe it's a church and you see an area where you just want to pray over and say, how can we help that's God giving you an inch. Maybe it's, maybe it's a couple of women in your, in, your, in your neighborhood and they're just kind of talking with you for some reason. Invite them over for coffee. That's my challenge. And say, hey, let me, keep, let me make you some coffee. Come on over. And I say, there's something on your heart. Is there anything I could pray for? I'm a Christian. And I believe in prayer, that God hears our prayers. I don't know what it is, but you have a message that God is speaking to you too. And here's a question. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? And God's calling you, maybe not to go to Zimbabwe or North Korea, but he may be speaking to you right now to do something. And the answer for us is, could you say yes? Friends, I think he is. And as we pray, I want you to just say in silence, God, whatever you tell me to do, I want to say yes. I will follow. I will do whatever you call. Let's pray. Lord God. We confess that you know what you're doing. We confess that we will never see the full picture of everything. We confess that we don't recognize and acknowledge your your power, your ability, your wisdom as much as we should. And we repent of the fact that at times we believe we know better. So, Lord, we just pray for forgiveness. We pray for humility. We pray for you to reveal yourself to be clear and true in our daily lives as we spend time with you, as we seek your word. And God, we pray for the courage and the faith that William Borden had as well. That God, that we could say no retreat, no reserve, and no regrets. That God, our lives are ransomed to you in Christ. And Lord, we want to see you glorified. So Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for challenging those in here who needed a nudge. And God, move us away from the comfort zone into an obedience and a relationship with you. All these things, Lord, we pray with confidence, with gladness and peace in the one who loves us and who's called us by name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.